Welcome back into the Area Sports Podcast. I'm Chandler Carney, and with me as always, Brady Scott. What up? We want to take a second to apologize to everyone for, for being out last week, towards the end of the week. Our condolences. We had a lot going on, uh, battling Ill- illnesses, old Brady Scott growing up, meeting with big CBS producers, shadowing him around. Hey, gotta rub, gotta rub elbows with big dicks sometimes. That, that's true. How was it? Was it a good experience? It was a great experience. Got to learned a lot, and um, hopefully, maybe that's a contact for me moving forward one day. Who knows? Yeah, it was. You were going a lot, doing a lot with that workshop. Uh, Big congrats to you, man. We're proud of you. Thanks. Happy for you, and uh, he's going to kick us off with the MLB. First off, glad you're, glad you're feeling better. A little you've bit. Been, Thank you. Been a little under the weather. But into the MLB, we have the um, Red Sox and Astros with a great series so far. Knotted up at one apiece with two great games between the two squads. Um, shocking to me, David Price kept the Astros off the board enough to keep the Red Sox in the game give them a chance. Did not see that coming, especially after the Astros took game one, sending David Price out there for game two. I really thought the Astros were going to light him up and go up 2-0. But the Red Sox offense came alive, and um, they they took game two at home. But the Astros have, um, they have stolen home field as they head back to Houston for three straight at home. I, I don't know. I just think that's going to be tough for the Red Sox. If they can win one out of the three, I'd consider that a win for them. But you never know. The Astros are hot. They love playing at home. The young talent they have, they just they really love that building. And when they close the roof there, the atmosphere is just electric. And maybe the Red Sox can pull one out. Who knows? The um, other series, the Brewers and the Dodgers, were also knotted up after two games. As the Brewers won game one, the Dodgers took game two. Brewers really dominated both games, but the Dodgers come back late in game two to steal it as they headed back to L.A. last night. And the Brewers really just dominated that entire game, shutting the Dodger offense down, winning that game four to nothing. And the Brewers just look in control of that series. I mean, they've dominated all but really one or two innings. And I'm just, I just think if they can keep it up, they threw Josh Hader last night. I really don't know why they did in a 4-0 game. You're one, in my opinion, their best relief guy in a 4-0 game where the Dodger offense really wasn't clicking, never really had anything going. But I'm not going to question Craig Council and what he's done with them this year. You really can't question the decisions he's made. But I would have just saved him maybe for a closer game, put him in in a one-run game because throwing him last night really takes him out of play for um, game four. He he doesn't really pitch a lot back-to-back. They said they're not really going to try and throw him back-to-back games. We'll just we'll see how that goes and if they're in a position where they need him. Eager to see if Craig Council will throw him back out there. Any predictions on who you think is going to prevail in these two series? Uh, you know, every time I say a name in baseball, apparently they lose. So yeah, You're 0 for, 0 for 4 in your divisional picks. Well, 0 so. for everything because, you know – I the Braves winning it all, and I went yeah. against you on every one of them. Your World Series prediction is down the – it's trash. It's down the drain. You yeah. forget about it. I wouldn't mind seeing Milwaukee win just because they're a small market. They don't feel like they're a small market. Though. No, but – They got some big names there. You got L.A. and you have you have Boston. And, I mean, those are big cities. Houston. Houston's a big market now. Yeah, it one is of, now. Winning the World Series last year. 
but I just feel like I've said it. I said it from the get go. I think that the Astros and the Brewers are going to be there in the World Series to see who who takes it all. I'm going to stick with that because really both teams hasn't given me a reason not to stick with them yet. So I just think I just think they've looked like the both teams have looked like the better teams in their respective series so far. So I'm going to ride with that and hopefully it pans out and I look and I look pretty good. Right until the wheels fall off. I mean, if they broke, don't fix it. Got the Astros and Brewers going. Still sticking with the Astros, win it all. So uh, that'll be winding down pretty soon in October with October baseball. So it's going time all the way you. through the month. Well, we're we 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 halfway through the month. We still got half a month left. A lot of baseball left to be played. We have a lot of basketball to play too. They kick off their season tonight. What are your thoughts on that, on this upcoming season? We've touched on it a little mm-hmm. bit. There's really only sort of like baseball two, three times a year. I really get into basketball. I watch it a lot the first couple weeks to see who's got what. New faces on new teams like LeBron in L.A. We want to see how they how they sort of gel together. Other new faces we want to follow the Jimmy Butler saga as it continues to go on in Minnesota. But I'll watch it then. I'll pick it back up around the All-Star break, just watch All-Star game, dunk contest, all that, and then I really get into it during the playoffs. So you're just a normal basketball fan pretty much? Yeah, just yeah. sort of a laid-back basketball fan, couch fan, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, um, I think it'll be a good season. You got a lot of people shifting around. I mean, with the thing that I think helps it this year, with as LeBron moves to the East and leaving the Cavs, it's sort of sort of going into the past three or four seasons. You sort of know the Warriors are more than likely going to come out of the West and the Cavs are more than likely going to come out of the East. So it was really like, what's the point in watching all these blowouts until the finals when the finals were really set? I still think the Warriors are probably going to get there out of the West, but the East is open back up where you don't you don't know who's going to get there. You have a pretty good idea with what the Celtics have, but you still don't know. Yeah, um, I still got my bet on Boston coming out of it if everybody stays healthy for sure. Toronto definitely can make a push with them and the Sixers. I just don't think, I just don't think they have the firepower to compete with Boston in the playoffs in a seven-game series. Well, if everyone's not healthy, then it's quite a possibility. But you saw their two best players were out last year, and they took the LeBron-led Cavs to Game Seven in their place. Yeah, they played more team basketball down the stretch, really. I mean, they had to. Can they keep that up with Kyrie and Gordon Hayward in the lineup? Yeah, because, I mean, those are two unselfish basketball players. They really are. Yeah. And But but you got to think, though, as soon as one guy's not getting the touches he thinks he wants, there's only one basketball on the floor, and they got, like, four or five guys who, who like the basketball in their hands at all times. See, here's the thing, though. You have Kyrie Irving, who is a great ball handler, good distributor of basketball. You have Gordon Hayward, you know, he's he's flashy good. He doesn't need the ball to be, do exactly. what he does. So uh, that's why I think him and Kyrie work well together. Jalen Brown, he really doesn't need the ball in his hands that much. I, I think Jason Tatum sort Jason of needs, does. He needs the ball in his hands to do what he needs to do. And I think as the season progresses in the playoffs and you get into the playoffs – I think Brad Stevens, being the great coach he is, 
it was sort of stagger him and Kyrie not being on the court yeah. a lot at the same time. So both of them can sort of handle the ball, and you have a primary great ball handler on the floor at all times. Yeah, and if it comes down to the last second shot, Kyrie Irving's on the floor and he's taking it no, no matter what. I mean, either him or he's going to get a great look for somebody. And, I mean, unless somebody's just dropped 40, 50 points that game and it's just they're not, I mean, he's the guy to go to. I think he's still the guy to go to. But with that being said, you you think the Warriors are for sure going and you think the Celtics are going to the finals? I mean, it's the safest bet to make. I mean, the West obviously has more to challenge the Warriors than the East does the Celtics. But it's a safe pick right now. We'll see as the season goes on with injuries and stuff. But if the Warriors stay healthy and get boogie healthy, I just think think they have too much firepower to be stopped. I mean, it's going to be a while before he's healthy because, I mean, he tore his Achilles. January, February before he starts getting more minutes. I think after all-star break, you'll see once he gets healthy, though, he'll be healthy when that when they need him, if they need him. Yeah. And so, uh, top three NBA MVP candidates for you right now: LeBron, um, Kyrie's healthy. I'm throwing him in there, and then I think Kawhi's got a shot. He's going, so. going to Toronto. Really, the only other big name there is Kyle Lowry. And we all know what Kawhi can do on both ends of the floor. I think he throws his name in there and gets gets some votes if he has a stellar season. I, those are pretty – I mean, those are three good ones. I mean, it all depends on how healthy you can stay. Yeah. I'm sticking with Anthony Davis uh, and LeBron for sure to see how he, he goes. Because, I mean, no matter how you feel about him, he's still one of the best players on this planet. Yeah. Maybe the best. He's the best player on the planet today. Uh, but I'm going to throw in a low-market guy, low-key name, that people should definitely look at his numbers and respect him. It's Damian Lillard. Yeah. And he's their guy. You got CJ McCollum there, but he's their guy. You look in the past, though, they're going to have to be a two or three seed in the West for him to get votes just because voters look at your standings also. And he plays in the tough Western Conference and – they like last year. They had a they had a high seed, so he's gonna have to have a great year and carry that team, which is what he's done since he's been there. But he's just gonna have to show out all season, I think. Yeah, he he can't take two or three weeks off for sure. Uh, Anthony Davis, I he's think you know if he plays seventy five games again this year, yeah, he kind of gets rid of that injury prone tag that he's been labeled with. Just as long as he doesn't get hurt, he's going to be in the conversation yeah. if he puts up the production. And if Drew Holiday can come through and, he's and gonna play like he help. did last year. He's going to need help. Julius Randle is really going to be their X-Factor guy. Yeah. For sure. He uh, did not do much in L.A., nah. but this might be a fresh start for him in a smaller market. And not more. He, he doesn't have to be the guy. They definitely have to make the playoffs. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, if Anthony Davis stays healthy and he plays like he he did, Andrew Holiday can come along and Randall comes. I mean, I I the say West they're is, in the 60, 60 win column. I just don't see 60 wins out of that team. I see 50 to 55 being there. I see 55, 60 being the ceiling and anywhere from 45 
40 range. Well, I mean, if you start winning 45, 40 ball games in the West, you're not getting in the playoffs. And I really think this is a playoff contending team. I just don't see 60 to 65 in there. No, I, I mean, I think 60 is a ceiling. Like, 60 is a max. The, everything goes right yes. all season and you yes. play great. Yes. I don't because, think you can win more than that. Because I, I think 65 wins, you're in the conversation for a one yeah. in the West. I think the Warriors won't have more than 65, 66. No. Because um, they're going to they're gonna keep their rest. They've been the four straight finals. They're going to they're gonna keep their players healthy for that run because it takes a toll on your body going that long in each season. Mm-hmm. Let's talk for one one second. Uh, you think that one of my favorite players, Dirk Nowitzki, you think this might be his farewell season? I don't know if it'll be his farewell season. I think it should be. But you never know with Dirk. I mean, he can still stroke it, man. I mean, he can still shoot it. It's just the fact of him wanting to run up and down the floor. That's the only thing because he can he I mean, he shoots it just like he did when I he mean, got in. He still plays the same way. You see Ray Allen in his career. He could still stroke it. It was just getting up and down the floor and being effective on both ends, not just playing offense, but especially in his position because he has to guard the low post guys, the bangers. They're going to bang on him, and that just takes a toll on your body. Okay, is there really any bangers in the NBA these days? Like, I mean, it, it's not like you're, he's going against Bill and Beer. Or... There's a few, but one of them's on his team, so I mean. Yeah, so the big men are not like today what they once, used to be. Once Boogie gets healthy, he'll bang on him. Well, you know, you saw Boogie really extend yeah, but everybody to the line more, but that opened up a lot more for Anthony Davis, which is why he did it. But playing with the Warriors, he might have to play inside more. Everybody has that guy that they just throw down there and just uh, box out and get rebounds. And sometimes with the league going to smaller lineups, Dirk's at a five for offense purposes. If the other team's not in that, he's going to have to guard the big man. Yeah, and I just think that this takes a toll on his body, and I think this may be very well be his last season. It'll be a but, sad day for but, for basketball. What um what young player are you most excited to see coming into the league? There's there's a few, um, DeAndre Ayton. I'm ready to see what he does in Phoenix. Uh, Marvin Bagley the third. I really think that he has potential to be up there. They just need to get more pieces around him. Yeah. Well, him and De'Aaron Fox, if they can come together and then, you know, that really creates a bigger, you know, lookout for them. And just, they need a shooter, though. Yeah. Because De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley are both guys who have to score in the post or yeah. in the paint. They're not – they're both not shooters, not great shots, but they're going to have to score down low. We've seen with our own eyes what De'Aaron Fox can do. In the, fast. In, the, in the post. But I really think Luka, Luka Doncic's – is is one to watch, and I want to see what he does for sure. Yeah. Right now, I would say that this is going to be my rookie of the year candidate. He, but you never know. You, you don't. Who saw Donovan Mitchell coming out of nowhere in Denver? And, yeah. In my opinion, should have won rookie of the year. Well, I mean, either way, that was that was a tough call. I mean, I mean Ben Simmons had a great year. Yeah, but is he really a rookie? Well, nobody was saying that when Blake Griffin won it. Yeah, but there was nobody else in the league that could challenge him as a rookie. Well, Steph Curry was there at that time. Steph Curry didn't want Steph Curry that we know now then. Uh, no, but he came in the league at that time. Uh, I just I just think that you should – if you've been in the league, you've been hurt and you haven't played, you're not a rookie. If that's the case, look in football this year, Patrick Mahomes, he, should he be classified as a rookie? 
No, but he wasn't on the injured reserve. He didn't suit up for a game. Yeah, but I mean, I get what you're saying. You're in the, you're in the league. You go through practices. You know the routine. Well, nothing's really new to you. That's something that maybe the NBA might should consider in the future. So I mean, that's something the league really is going to have to look at. Maybe because along with the games and the thing, it's the grind of it. And he's been through sort of the grind that are seeing guys and been through it. The grind that it takes to get get through the eighty two game season. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Uh, Just being on the road and traveling and having to be on your own probably for the first time in your life outside of college. And in college still, things are pretty much taken care of for you. So who, who who's uh, your rookie of the year MVP, and who, who do you want to look at this year, young guy? I want to see if Trey Young can shoot the ball in the NBA. Just stop right there. I, knew, I don't want to ask because I knew 100% that's who you were going to say. I also want to see Colin Sexton, Sexton with Cavs. Yeah. I feel like he can push the ball for him, and if his shot's there, I feel like he could be a strong rookie of the year candidate with LeBron moving out of Cleveland, them not really having the primary ball handler, and just distributing the ball to all the playmakers they have there. So nobody really? Hmm? Nobody really? Still nobody. got Kevin Love. I think he's going to have to be their playmaker. Yeah, but Kevin Love's not a guy that's going to handle the ball. Yeah. Somebody's got to get the ball to him. Yeah, maybe he can throw it to J.R. Smith a little bit. J.R. Smith, he'll shoot when he wants to. When he wants to. Streakiest player in the – I mean, he's going to shoot regardless he's if it's streak- on or not. He's the streakiest player in the NBA. Sort of like DeMar- DeMarcus Lodge at Ole Miss. Wide open shot, easy catch, not going to make that. But you put somebody in his face, he's fading away. He's going to make that shot. Yeah. You put somebody on lines at the sideline, he's going to make that catch. This doesn't make any sense to me. Not one bit. Not one bit. That's all I have. I, I just want to see if Trey Young can shoot the ball in the NBA. Well, we I know, mean, the basket's still the same height and the same I, distance from it. It's just a caliber of competition. Right? <laughs> I mean, if, you, if he's open. And he, he dishes the ball pretty well, too. <laughs> he does. I mean, I'm not a huge Trey Young fan. I think he's overhyped, but definitely he can shoot it. I mean, it ain't Steph Curry top, but he might be the closest thing you've seen coming out of college at this point. I mean, he could he could grow into it, maybe. Not saying he is by any stretch of imagination, but he could. Something to keep keep your eye on. Uh, definitely be following the NBA throughout the year a little bit. Uh, definitely talk more you know, when it gets March, April. See see where we stand. Uh, going on the NFL, the Packers came back, had late game heroics tonight, knocking off the Forty ers That man, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I mean, he didn't really do much in fantasy terms. No, so he he gets the ball down the field to get you in positions. I mean, Aaron, he's just Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you just come to expect it. You do, and you know, I kind of knew when the Forty ers were. You know, they got the ball back with about five minutes left, a little bit under five minutes maybe, and they were up seven. I was kind of like, you know, this is easy. You know, the Packers defense should stop them here. It, it's all over with. And mm-hmm. sure enough, I think three plays later after they got the ball back, they scored. And then Mason Crosby kicks a field goal as time expires. So. It's just, you, you can't never count Aaron Rodgers out of a ball game. Another no. big game from the weekend, though, the Pats and the Chiefs, Sunday night football. It was a big game. 
Mahomes come out of the gate, struggled a little bit, two early picks, but he really settled in in the second half, bringing the Chiefs all the way back, had a lead at one point, gave it up, get the ball back with right at three minutes, throw a 75-yard bomb to Tyreek Hill. But as soon as he did that, I I, I think I looked at you and said, yeah. two, two, two minutes, 45 seconds, Tom Brady, he left weight. He left an eternity on the clock for he Tom did. Brady. And the Patriots just marched down the field, gave Stevens and Gostowski just an easier and an extra point in the NFL now field goal to make. Yeah. And it seems like every time I watch him kick, it's center cut. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just right. that You can draw a line in the center of the goal post, and it goes straight through it every time. That's the thing with these old kickers, man. They still got that leg. Ben and Terry, Gaskowski. It just never seems to go anywhere. And then you look at these young guys coming in the league, and they can't make shit. Well, it's hard coming in because, I, I don't know, maybe the feel of it, the atmosphere maybe. I don't know what it is. I'm ready to see Blankenship come into to the NFL yeah. out of Georgia. See if he can do it. Yeah, because, I mean, he he hardly ever misses. He's one of the greatest college kickers of all time. Yeah. And there there was one there at Georgia a few years ago, Blair Walsh, and he got to the NFL and he didn't do nothing. Probably one of the only kickers in the country that gets a louder ovation and intros than anybody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Mitchell Trubisky looked pretty good in the Bears' loss to the to the Dolphins this weekend. Didn't see that coming. I know. I try to tell you, man. He he's good. You know, uh, I'm not gonna overhype him and say uh, he's the greatest thing ever, but he's still not that good. I think you're gonna see him become one of the better quarterbacks in the league. I'm not saying the best. He's gonna be a middle of the pack quarterback. I mean, he's not gonna he's not gonna beat you, but can he win you the games? Can he? Like we see Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers making these two-minute drives in the fourth quarter to win you games. He's really hadn't been in those positions yet. But when he gets in those positions, can he make the throws and drive his team down the field to win the game? And that's what I'm waiting to see from him. Yeah, I really think that maybe the Bears are two or three pieces away. You know, Khalil Mack makes up two or three players on his own. So, I mean, you get some more players in around him. Well, I mean, Tunsil shut him down this week, though. Yeah, he did. Uh, well, I don't even know if Tunsil played, did he? He did. Right. You get a couple more key guys on that on that team, offensively and defensively, and you're looking at, you know, a playoff contended team. Oh, no doubt. Their defense next two or three is strong. Years. Their defense is very strong with the addition of Khalil Mack. They were good before he got there. He just puts them over the top. I think they really don't have to get it done within two years with uh, Trubisky still on his rookie deal after signing. Because then they got to make a decision. Yeah. If you pay him. Can you pay anybody you, else? You already have Khalil Mack on the largest deal in history. If you pay Trubisky a max deal, where do you, where's the money come from then? Because really all your money's in two players. Then you have to distribute it out to everybody else, and you really can't pay big money to anybody else. Yeah, and then OBJ really has opened the market up for wide receivers, so any top-tier wide receiver that comes in to you, he's going to want money. Oh, yeah. And Le'Veon Bell is about to open up the market for running backs a little bit under the age of 30. Hopefully. He deserves it. He's supposed to be back in the in the Steelers facility this week as they go on a bye week. Yeah, I still had not heard from him, so – if he does what he says he's going to do, well, which who knows. As long as he's there. We know he's going to be there by week 10 to get his money. Yeah. That's all we know. 
But other than that, you don't really know. I mean, that's just, it's a wild situation that people, you know, keep giving you bits and pieces of it at a time as it comes in. And the way James Conner's playing, I just think they're going to send him out. Yeah, yeah, he's been playing pretty good this year, uh, coming into his own. Torched me a couple of weeks on <laughs> on fantasy. It really broke my heart. Yeah, I, I was there earlier this year, don't worry. Wasn't good. But bounce back, Tyreek Hill saved me last night with three touchdowns. It must be nice. It was it was relieving because I was going into that game struggling. <laughs> it was a it was looking very bleak for my team, but he puts up thirty two points, puts me over the top, and I get the win. So I'm happy about that. Well, Barry, what's your news of the day? It's, it's horrible news, but it's news of the day. Matt Luke comes out in his pressure yesterday saying that um, DK Metcalf is going to be out for the season with a neck injury. And not going to lie, sort of broke down a little bit when I saw it, sort of wanted to cry a little bit. But when you when you got the NWO, you can't depend on one. I hate to hear the news for him because he was having the best season he's had here. On track to be a first-round draft pick, I don't know if this hurts that. I feel like it may. I hope it doesn't for his sake, but you never know with these injuries what they, how it could linger or how you come back from it. And I just don't know. He's having a great year, man. And you look back at his freshman season, plays three or four games and goes down with a broken foot and misses the rest of that season. So you see he's really only had one full season. But when he's been on the field, he's been very productive. How do you think it affects Ole Miss moving forward down the stretch in this? I mean, you lose that big body guy down the field. Yeah, I think you lose your, your mean, number one deep threat. You lose him down the field, and then when you get in the red zone, you lose that guy that you can just turn and say, I'm going to throw it up to you and go get it, big boy. I mean, 6'4", two, 220, I think. I mean, just a specimen of a human being. Yeah. Jumps out the gym. All you got to do is throw it up and get in the vicinity, and he's going to. More than likely, he's going to come down with that ball. But overall, I don't think it hurts too much. I think you're going to see – you saw a little bit of it in the Arkansas game. You're going to see more of the tight ends with Dawson Knox yes. and Octavius Cooley. You're going to see more of them implemented in offense now as you lose one of your main threats. DeMarcus Lodge has a step up now. He's been good all season, but he's had some timely drops. So – Inconsistent draw. I think man. he tur- I think he turns into your deep threat. Yeah. Down the field, AJ Brown's gonna just get a few more targets a game. He's gonna continue to do what he does, and you're gonna see the freshman step up with Elijah Moore. Miles um, Battle probably gonna have to step in there and get some big snaps on the outside, and Braylon Sanders. That's really gonna, what I'm thinking about. Braylon Sanders is gonna get opened up a lot more. He's gonna start, and he's he's gonna start in that position, and he's gonna take over for DK. Yeah. But them, this Arkansas game this past weekend, I mean, talk about wanting some some nerve pills, man. It never fails to take years off your life. I think that's the fifth year in a row. I probably lost a combined six, seven years off my life watching those games. I'm just glad that we could return the favor to them and overcome a fourth quarter deficit. Yeah. That just made it a little sweeter to me, sort of. Here, t- take a little dose of your own medicine. Yeah, Jordan Thomas looked really, really good in this game. Would you say that's the best game he's played in an Ole Miss uniform? Yeah, absolutely. 
doesn't question. Second I mean, school comes, history. Comes 12-yard shy of Archie Manning's all-purpose yard record for a single game. I mean, he's knocking on the door of a 1,000 all-purpose yards the past two weeks. I mean, once you get thrown in the mix with the name like Archie Manning, I mean, you're, you're probably doing something doing right. right. Yeah. You're doing something right. And just to be in that company for him, I'm sure he'll tell you that it's it's humbling. It? I mean, moving forward, it should be a requirement for all Ole Miss quarterbacks to wear number 10. Yeah, definitely. Matt, Matt Corral, yeah, you like the number two, but you need to wear 10 next year. There's just something about it. And just about anybody that wears that number, think about it all in recent memory. Vince Sanders wore that number. And no, he was not a big, big name outside of the Ole Miss community, but he came up big in a lot of games. He was especially a solid receiver. Yes. Possession guy, not a lot of drops. No, he, always, always seemed to find a way open, and made the big play when you needed it. I mean, C.J. Johnson wore that number on defense. Marquise Haynes wore it. Chad Kelly, swag. I mean, you. I mean, you just think about it. I mean, since Eli Manning, it, it's pretty, pretty good thing to wear. Pretty good number to wear if you, especially if somebody like you and, and your dad, very superstitious people. Very. It wouldn't yeah. surprise me if y'all started like a petition or something and took it to to. To the Senate of the state, and be like, hey man, make make pass this law so everybody has to wear the number ten. Well, now that you think about it, I may may call <laughs> Daddy, may call Daddy tomorrow and get get things straightened out. We need to get that signed up and get that thing going, and get it into motion. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I can get enough signatures from the student body to make that happen. <laughs> so, what were your takeaways from this game, uh, offensively, defensively? How do you think that they looked, and what do you think about them going forward? You know, moving first half. It was a tale of two halves for me. Yeah. First half, well, I was I was not happy with our defensive effort and our defensive play. Offense looked okay, missed missed a couple times, but they didn't look terrible. But the defense looked absolutely lost. They didn't know where to be. We had a lot. We had a defensive end covering a tight end at one point. Don't really know how that happens. And he just burned him on that wheel route, wasn't it? You're asking a defensive defensive end to come off the end of the line and cover a tight end on a wheel route to the sideline. I don't care who you are. You're not covering that. Yeah. You're going to get beat 10 out of 10 times. The only way that play doesn't work is with a drop or a bad pass. You know, if you had a better safety to float over. You know, I mean, the might. safety was on the other side of the field. Exactly. and He had no safety help. And if you're going to do – Pull a stunt like that, you got to have safety help. Yeah. Somebody has to be over the top, yeah. and there was nobody over the top. Miscommunication, I don't know. But they came out in the second half and looked strong, didn't give up a touchdown, bent but didn't break. Sort of motto of Wesley McGriff's season yeah. right now. They've been getting the red zone. Offense will be making it look easy. And then somehow we force everybody to get a field goal. We don't really know how, but I don't know. I just wish they could – carry the red zone mentality to the full 100 yards of the field. Yeah. you think McGriff makes it out this year? you think he's he's on his way out of Oxford at the end of this year? Would I like to see it? Yes. Do I think it's going to happen? No. Here's why. We have five DBs, five starting DBs on the shelf. Yeah. And another couple linebackers hurt. I mean, you just look at it. The majority of his secondary that he was probably counting on coming into the season, they're done for the year or they're hurt. And the guys out there, they're banged up. You got Ken Webster out there with a bum hamstring that he's been dealing with for weeks. 
he's playing through it, but it's obvious when you look at him he's not 100% on the field. So I think if everybody was healthy and they were still playing like this, yes. But with all the injuries, I think that cuts him a little slack because he's playing a lot of young guys in the secondary that haven't been there before. And you look at the past couple of weeks, you got two converted running backs playing safety for you. So, I mean, you got to give it time. I think he's safe right now. But that could change if it's just a landslide the rest of the season. Who knows? Yeah. I don't have to make that decision, though. So, you know, if I was in charge of hiring and firing, we probably wouldn't have the head coach that we have. But <laughs> we do. So, that shows you how in charge I am. Another big game for this weekend. What's your takeaways from Washington and Oregon? Great football game. Came down to the wire. Went it was overtime. something you just you couldn't you couldn't take your eyes off the game. Mm-mm. Every time Oregon or Washington scored, the other one marched straight down the field and had an answer. I mean, Oregon had a missed field goal late in the fourth quarter. I thought was going to end up costing them the game, but they caught a break with Washington driving down the field, last possession of the fourth quarter. The kicker. Their kicker just missed a field goal. I mean, Chris Ball calls a timeout. He goes ahead and goes through his motion, kicks it dead center. I looked at you and I said, he's going to make it. It's over. Come out of the timeout, don't know what happened. He missed a field goal. Oregon holds him to a field goal. When Washington gets first possession of overtime and then Oregon scores a touchdown to win it. Big win for them. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, they really needed it. After the heartbreak a couple of weeks ago to Stanford, when they had that game won, yeah, they had it and, and blew it in the fourth quarter, I think it's big for them moving forward that they didn't blow this one, and gives them a chance yeah, I mean, at the playoff say, moving forward. Yeah. If they can win out and win the Pac-12, it gives them a shot. Yeah, gives them a good shot at it. They're definitely going to need a little bit of help. They need a help. The biggest thing I think they need would be a Notre Dame loss. Or a Clemson loss. Something like that. If Clemson and Notre Dame both lose, I think your Pac-12 champion with one loss is in. Yeah, he's definitely they definitely played a tougher schedule, in my opinion. Yeah. Because, I mean, they lost to Stanford, who, I mean, who's still reigned. Stanford's no slouch. And then you beat Washington, who's definitely not a slouch. I mean, they've come in. Chris Peterson's got them nationally they're known. A great, they're a great program. Yeah. I mean – I think it's going to be a little test to see if they have a little hangover this week as yeah. they go to Pullman, face off Washington State. You know it's going to be electric there as game day oh, yeah. comes for the first time. Yeah, I'm it's excited. Going, it's going to be wild. Can they settle back down and focus in on Washington State this week yeah. and do what they have to do? Because I think if they come in, focus on Washington State, and just play their brand of football, I think they can win the game fairly easy. But just being there with game day there and all the atmosphere, we've seen it here with Ole Miss versus Alabama that year. Yeah, All that energy can just carry over into the game, and you never know what can happen. But I think if they just go in and handle business, they should win the football game. you got to think about it like this, too. If Washington State picks up a victory over Oregon, they, they're a one-loss team. If they, and if they went out, they very well could be sitting in the same spot we were just talking about Oregon being in. So, I mean, I feel like this game does have a little bit of – of college football playoff tied in with it. Yeah. And maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But it, it's, it's a it's, huge game for the fans of Washington State. Yes. It's yes. going to be a huge day. Uh, I mean, Old Crimson's coming home for the first time. I'm excited to watch it. I'm excited to watch that game. But I think Washington uh, 
still a good team. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're still a good football team. Yeah. The Auburn loss really hurts them just because Auburn's, you know, kind of falling off. I just think the Auburn team we've seen the past couple weeks, I don't think that's the same Auburn team that beat Washington. Mm -mm. It's probably not going to be the same Auburn team you see rolling to Oxford Saturday at 11 o'clock. I think think we got them. I hope we have them. Maybe they'll still be asleep for that 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock kick. Hopefully. And hopefully, hopefully I'll miss it in the sleep. I think the offense figured it out a little bit. Yeah. What was really a bummer Saturday was that in the same time slot of this Oregon-Washington game, you had the the other really good game of the, of the day in LSU and Georgia. I was flipping back and forth the whole time. And it was really – LSU just put it to them. I mean, they took them to the woodshed. Uh, Georgia – you know, you know what they want to do on offense. They want to run the football, and that opens up everything else with a pass game from Jake Fromm. And when the, I mean, all else you did really was stack the box and stop the run, and they forced Jake Fromm to try and beat them. And Jake Fromm probably played the worst game we've seen him play. Yes. And he just couldn't get it done. Their defense really didn't have an answer for LSU. Their offense didn't have an answer for LSU's defense. The game was just dominated by the Tigers. Yeah. And let's let's talk quarterbacks for a minute on both sides of the ball. Let's start with Jake Prom since you touched on him a little bit already. Some guys down at, at Saturday down south. I'm just gonna tell you where I heard it up. Um they're talking about Jake Fromm, you know, well we've yet to see Jake Fromm go into a top fifteen venue and come out with a win. And that's true. That's true. But do you know how many times he's actually been in a top fifteen venue? Was on this the road. His first? This is second. Because he went to Auburn last year. They they played in Jordan here. And Fromm did look terrible. And they lost that game. They ended up beating Auburn in the SEC championship. But, but then he comes here. But that was basically to, a home game for him. Yeah. Right in his backyard. But it was the it was a bigger game, in my opinion, because it won an SEC title. Which ultimately probably got them into into the college football playoff over Auburn. Yeah. And then you look at he went to Death Valley this past weekend. Didn't look good. I kind of sort of blame Kirby Smart and this coaching staff because I feel like they overlooked LSU a lot. And I don't – I mean, I really don't blame them. I have all season. I don't – I still don't really buy into Ed Orgeron being a good head coach or a great head coach. He's just got great talent. But to say that a guy hasn't played – you know, he doesn't show up in top 15 venues. He's yet to get a win there. He only has two. But he also went to South Bend last year in his first true road start, and they won, and they knocked off Notre Dame. Different Notre Dame team. It was, but they were still ranked in the top 25 and finished in the AP poll at 11. So, either way you look at it. If Notre Dame doesn't have more than four losses, they're going to be in the top 25 just because. I just think it's ignorant for someone to say something like that and then not really back it up with anything. Oh, well, he's 0 for 2. My whole thing with Jake Fromm. Do I believe he's the best quarterback on the roster? No. Talent-wise, I do not believe that he is the best quarterback on Georgia's roster. But for what Georgia wants to do mm-hmm. and their scheme, I believe he's the best quarterback to fit what they want to do right now. Not that he's going to go out and put up flashy numbers. Mm-hmm. He's ne- he never has there. Justin Fields is a guy that when he gets his time, he's probably going to go out there and be sort of like two is with Alabama. They're going to have to open it up a little more for him because he's got the – Jake Fromm's got a good arm. 
just Phil's got a big arm too. And I just think with his mobility and all, he opens things up more than Jake Fromm does. He gives yeah. you more options. But Jake Fromm just manages the game better at this point in time in his career. But you have to also think about it like this. Alabama's game plan pre-Lane Kiffin was pretty much the same as, as Georgia's is now with, yeah. with Jim Chaney. And then Lane Kiffin comes in and then, you know, puts his West Coast spread offense style to things. And then Jalen Hurts comes in with a guy to kind of run that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of changed their identity offensively. And then Tua comes in and obviously can push the ball downfield way better than Jalen Hurts can, no question about it. And you see that. It would probably take somebody coming in and shifting the identity of this Georgia offense before yeah. Justin Fields gets a chance to do that. I agree. I think they should hire somebody. That, you don't have to hire anybody. You can just go in and self-evaluate yourself. Yeah. And just sort of open it up a little bit, put a few more formations in there, a few yeah. more shotgun looks. I mean, that's really all it is. It's just like one or two more packages. And I, I thought with Jake Fromm struggling throughout the game, that coming out of the second half, give him a drive or two, and if he still doesn't look great, just let Fields get like one drive and let Jake Fromm sit over there and sort of say, just relax a second, yeah, and then put him back in there and see what happens. Yeah, Kirby I agree Smart with that. Did, Kirby Smart didn't do that, but I feel like he could have done that, and that would have gave Jake Fromm a second to just reset, reset mentally, and go back out there and play his brand of football. Kind of like you know, just saying you know you're our guy. Just take a minute, catch your breath. Because sometimes you just get flustered, yeah. and when you're continuously out there, you just can't find a way out of it. Yeah, you just have to sit down sometimes and be like, okay. But the other quarterback in that game, Joe Burrow, I just think he's an average quarterback who runs the system. I mean, I was literally that, – that was my question. My next question for you is, do you buy into the hop? I don't. Nah. If you look at Joe Burrow's numbers, they're terrible. They're not good numbers for a quarterback. You look, he had two touchdowns Saturday, both rushing, both quarterback sneaks from inside the one. Yeah. I mean, he had that long run to kind of set one up. But, I mean, I mean – he completed 50% of his passes, like 50%, for 200 yards and zero passing touchdowns. Yeah. He doesn't hurt you at all. No, he doesn't beat you. Exactly. And, and LSU likes to run the ball and take a shot every now and then. But majority of their routes are underneath anyway, crossers or hitches, stuff like that, easy throws. And when they're wide open, it's easy to hit. And I think the reason a lot of – you know, people are giving Ed Order on all this credit. And, yeah, because I know if LSU's struggling – and they're losing at this point. People are calling for, for Coach O's head. He's gone. But at the same time, he's surrounded by probably the best defensive coordinator in college football. One and he's, you know, a really good offensive coordinator. Yeah. So, really, I mean, how much how much of this is him other than motivating this team? Like, Recruiting. he gets them motivated. Recruiting. And that's it. He's a great recruiter. You look at what he did at Ole Miss, no, the wins didn't correlate. But you look at the two Cotton Bowls, those were Ed Ortron's players. And I just think he's just a great recruiter. He gets the guys in there, and he surrounded himself with great coordinators who can better develop those players into what he sees them as when he recruits them. I don't think he can develop them by himself by any means. I don't think anybody can outside of maybe Nick Saban. But, I mean – He's, he's got great coordinators. 
and I'm eager to see the defense after Aranda leaves or who they get in there. Yeah. If they hire from within, sort of keep the style and culture, or if they go try and get another up-and-coming big guy. Because I don't think Aranda has many more years left on the LSU sideline as a coordinator. If he if he's there, it's because he wants to be there. Yeah. It's not like because he hadn't gotten an offer. Same thing at Clemson. Yes. And I think those two guys are going to – I mean, they could very well be great head coaches somewhere someday. And I may be wrong, but I think there's some LSU fans over, out there that were sort of quietly rooting for them to maybe have a bad year, so they could just say, hand him the keys to it and let him be their head coach. Yeah, which would not be not be a bad thing at all. Well, I mean, prior to the season, if you were placing bets, I mean, Ed Orgeron had you know the best odds of a coach getting fired midway through the season, and now he's set. Yeah. I'm just eager to see that game against Bama for them. And I think somewhere he's going to screw them up, and I think that's going to be the game. Yeah. And they, they always struggle against Bama. A lot of upsets, though. Yeah, there were a lot of upsets. There were some upsets, and then there were some narrow escapes. Notre Dame and Florida narrowly escaped. Yeah, okay, so here's here's a big question. Fist five, who wins, Derek Mason or Dan Mullen? Derek Mason wins with one hand tied behind his back. I mean, that was just a crazy scene to see. You know, I, I told you, I think the only reason Dan Mullen does that is because they're down at the time. If Florida's up in that situation, there's not a word said. Yeah. Not a word is said. Dan Mullen did that strictly to try and light a fire under his team, and it worked. Because if Florida's winning by two touchdowns, three touchdowns, a scene isn't made, nothing's said. There, There's really nothing to talk about. But – with them losing, I mean, genius move. I mean, it really sparked the Florida team who had looked dead up until that point. And they just bounced back, score points, win the football game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Derek Mason, he's a swole guy. And I think he's got a great defensive mind. Yeah. He's just – he's slowly getting Vanderbilt. You're never going to win at Vandy, though, because you don't have the facilities. They don't dedicate to football. I mean, you look – where do they put all their money in? I mean, it's probably basketball, baseball. Baseball. And, and academics, too. Baseball. You got to think about that, academic restrictions at Vanderbilt. Baseball is their cash cow at Vanderbilt. All the money in the athletics department sort of goes to sort of goes to the baseball team where they just built a multi-million dollar facility for their baseball team, which is fabulous. And I just think, I just think until they invest the money into the football program, you're not going to see results on on the field with wins. Yeah, I mean that that's a good good look at it. Is there any other big big ups? What was the biggest upset to you this past weekend? Um, I didn't see the LSU one coming. I didn't either. I just think that was the biggest shock to everybody nationwide. Was not that they won the game, it's how they won it, but how they won the game. That one really shocked me. Notre Dame narrowly escaped Pitt too. And Ohio State had a little bit of struggle early on. That was still a close game going into the fourth. Yeah. And, I mean, they pulled away. Dwayne Haskins does what Dwayne Haskins does. Well, my clock ball game, I think they sort of slept walk into it. Yeah. I mean, it's very well to assume that. I mean, I don't, I don't think you're going to say it, but I'm going to say, repeat something you told me. Florida State narrowly. Escaped the upset this week with a 35-31 <laughs> win, 34 win over the bye week. 
Sort of like, I mean, they struggled with that one. Yeah, maybe they they come out of the bye week looking a little bit better than they have been. You think Willie Tiger can get this program going down the stretch? Yeah, I think he can. Once he gets his guys in there. Yeah. I mean, once he gets the guys to fit his system, I think they're going to be Florida State again. No. I mean, because kids want to go to Florida State. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's nothing else you can say. Florida State is a brand that kids want to play for. Yeah, and Bobby Bowden did they, a great job building they, that brand. And they have great facilities. So, I nice. mean, it, it's not going to be hard to get players in there. So, well, man, uh, what's your final thoughts? Well, I'm sort of sad. About what? We finished the hundred this week. Oh man, that was a great, uh, great show. Great show on Netflix. I I urge all of you to check it out if you haven't. It was recommended to us by, wasn't it Kelly Thornton? Kelly Thornton, yeah, he told us that he had finished Washington, and thank you, thank you for that recommendation. Yeah, thank you, old Schmelly. I mean, I think all we've done the past two weeks is sit on the couch and binge that show. Yeah, I was actually really upset when we when we watched, watched the last season. It was it was a sad place. time. Yeah. Can't wait for season six. I me either, man. I'm not ready can attest to it. I got a little little misty eyed when it ended. <laughs> after the after the final scene and the credits are rolling, he goes. Somebody cut an onion in here. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was it was pretty heartbreaking. Uh, but great show, good to watch. Great show, you should definitely check it out. It's yeah. one of those shows you turn it on, and okay, I'm gonna stop watching it after this episode. But each episode leaves you just like, okay, what's gonna happen? Yeah, the writers I got, of that show. Just I gotta find out. Job. I gotta find out what's gonna happen. You never know what's gonna happen. The character development in that show was really really good as well, and yeah. it took you on some crazy turns. My mom actually started watching this show off of my recommendation, I think, Thursday. And she's finished season three already. She has done nothing but watch 100. She, that's all she she's has done. Losing, she is losing sleep. <laughs> she is, she loves it. and She texts me every now and then about certain characters and whatnot and story plots. And I'm just like, you ain't seen nothing yet. Just wait. It just, it just builds all throughout when you think you can't see anything to top it. Boom, there it is. Well, my final thoughts is, I went and watched a movie tonight, actually. And it was called A Simple Favor with Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, man. I was mind-raped leaving cry? this. No. Uh, it's not one of those movies. No, it, you wouldn't have liked it. No. Because it was a little scary. It was a little suspenseful. I'm not a spooky season fan. But let me tell you, man. Towards the end of it, it was just like... What did I just watch? Like, what just happened? Sort of like that movie we watched. What's it called? Den of Thieves. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it, had a, it didn't have quite as good of a, uh, <laughs> an ending as Den of Thieves. I was mind-raped in that movie. That was a movie where you're like, oh, yeah, I got this one figured out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then it ends, and you're just like, I don't think I said anything <laughs> for five minutes. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, we I went and watched it with, uh, with Bailey, and she was – she. A good friend of ours, Bailey Brown, and she's like, I, I just need to go lie in bed and, and collect my thoughts about this movie right now. And it it was crazy. Coming from a law student. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was wild. Uh, I'm not going to give it 10 out of 10 or anything like that, but if you're into stuff like that, you should definitely check it out. I mean, Blake Lively, Anna Kendrick, I mean, that's a good enough reason to go right there. Yeah. I just want to touch on again how happy I am that Ole Miss ended the drought against Arkansas. 
Oh, yeah. It's Great been, time. It's been a long four years. Well, we thank y'all for tuning in. Tune ho, in for ho, us. Ho, 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 What you got? Tune one, in one Friday? Square Jam coming back this Friday night on the square. I have you no can, idea what that is. You don't know what Square Jam is? No. You've never heard of Square Jam? Is that the thing with the basketball team? Yeah, a basketball team. They put a court out there on the square. They have a dunk contest, three-point contest, sort of like sort of like our Midnight Madness. It's sort of what it is instead of just, like, being in the gym at midnight and all, sort of like Kentucky and all these other big programs do. They take the court, they set it up on the square, and everybody comes out, and it's sort of like introducing the men's and women's teams. So does that mean all the bars are going to be closed? I, I mean, I doubt it. I mean, they, I mean, if there is, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of pissed off old Miss students. I mean, it'd be stupid for the bars to close because you're going to have a ton of students on, and after it's over, it's like, what do we do? Oh, we're already on the square. Let's go to the bars. So, I mean, I think it's going to be a good event. It's finally back. I haven't been there the past two years, but I think it's going to be a good event. I might go check it out. I right, say, so, well, that explains why I've never heard it. It hasn't been going on since I've been here. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Should well, be should be a good time if you're in the Oxford area. Yeah, definitely stop by there and, and go see some of some good bars on the square. There's plenty to go around, I promise. really want to see how our basketball team looks this year. I'm real excited what Kermit Davis is doing, the recruiting class he's put together, the guys he's already gotten here, and the guys that look to, he's looking to bring here. Real excited for what he's – the direction the program seems to be going under his leadership. Because under Kennedy, you sort of knew what you were getting. You're going to get a mediocre team that's going to win about 20 games and miss the tournament. Yeah, except for when Marshall Henderson comes into town. I mean, that was that was the greatest thing that that Andy Kidney's ever given Ole Miss. I mean, that was a great team. I yeah, mean, it was. And Murphy Holloway, Buckner, um, Jarvis Summers had a lot of good pieces on that team. But without Marshall Henderson, they don't go to he, the Sweet Sixteen. He brought the energy, man. Yes. I mean, every time he every time Ole Miss basketball game was on, it was must watch TV. Yeah, well, you never knew what he was going to do even off the court with no. his antics, especially, you know, beating Auburn with, you know, the, the jersey sway. The jersey way of the student section with a mob of, mob, of, mob of middle fingers back at him. Yeah. One yeah. of my most memorable Marshall Henderson moments would have to be the half-court shot at Bandy to send the game in overtime. Yes, that was great. That was great. I mean, after he hit that shot, me and my dad were watching. I said, oh, what's he going to do? And he just went. He went crazy. Yeah, I remember the first time I actually got a glimpse of him. They played in the uh, the Christmas tournament down, I think, in, like, the Bahamas or somewhere. Yeah. And that was really the first time I, I saw him. And I remember the first thought was, why is this wide boy out here just jacking up shots? <laughs> like, he didn't hit anything. And then later in the game, I mean, he started just drilling them and really brought them back. And I was like – He had the ultimate green light. Oh, Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, if you got the ball in your hands, you can shoot it no matter where you are. Don't matter. But, yeah, fun fact for you, I don't know if you knew this or not, Kermit Davis, it was born and grew up 30 minutes from our, our hometown of Waynesboro. Yeah. He was born in Leesville. Yeah. It's crazy. Small world. It is. Maybe you can turn this thing around. Small world. Eager to see it. Hope he does a good job. You got anything else to add? About basketball? Just anything. anything. No, just going to continue to be positive with the Ole Miss football team and just continue to ride the positivity wave. It's worked the past two weeks. Going to ride it again. Going to ride it till the wheels fall off and still going to ride it. <laughs> That's a good mindset to have. 
Well, we thank y'all for listening. Tune in to us Friday. We have a special guest picker coming on the show. We're not going to release any information on who it is. You're not going to want to miss it. You're not. Uh, the person coming, they give great insights about college football. Expect to have a few one-liners in there. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, probably one of the greatest offensive minds that you'll ever get to pick apart. Uh, Gonna have to start a little early on our picks this week. It may just be a college football Friday. Oh yeah, it uh, it really might be because this person coming in is great. Don't miss it, and just tune into us. We thank y'all for watching. Y'all have a great day.